he was a good man. A strong, hardworking, honest man. A husband, a father, a beloved member of the Chrysler Auto family, and a friend to everyone he held dear. Robert Michael Newman will surely be missed. The Newmans sat silently and mourned the death of Bob, his two children and three grandchildren were truly saddened by his passing. But at the ripe age of 86, it was simply his time to go. Days after the wake, the family reconvened at the office of Bob's lawyer for the reading of his will. All properties and assets, along with most of his savings, were split evenly between his two children. And a healthy sum of $15,000 was given to each grandchild. Jeffrey, the youngest grandchild, and the only one without a sibling, had never been given such a gift before. At the tender age of 23, $15,000 was quite a blessing. On the way out of the office, Jeffrey was pulled aside by Bob's lawyer and given a notebook discreetly. Per your grandfather's request, the lawyer said quietly, before turning around and walking in the other direction. Puzzled by the odd gesture, he opened the front cover to reveal the title page which read, To my dear Jeffrey. When Jeffrey and his parents returned home, he wasted no time in retreating to his room to read the notebook. He opened it to the first page. When I was a kid, I knew I wasn't like the other kids. I knew how to look and act and basically be like them. But deep, deep down, I knew I was fundamentally different. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I didn't need to, to know it was true. This difference became clear to me when I was in the fourth grade. My friend Freddy, who lived three houses down, came out into the street, screaming because his guinea pig had escaped. Me and the other kids in the street heard him and looked all over the neighborhood frantically for it. We searched high and low for the little guy, but unfortunately with no luck, until I went into our back garden and found him hiding under mother's rosebush, scared as could be. I knew I should have picked him up right then and there to bring back to Freddy, but something compelled me to hold on to him. I put him in a little box in the garage with a few cherry tomatoes from the garden and told Freddy I couldn't find him. That night after dinner, I snuck out to the garage to see him, and there he was, sleeping peacefully in the box where I had left him. I wasn't sure why I lied to my friend and kept him, but something deep inside of me knew 
alone with him, was where I wanted to be. I picked up his soft little body and held him gently in my hands, before I wrapped my fingers around his furry torso and started to squeeze. He woke up startled and tried to squeal as he flailed left and right between my palms. I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing, but it felt good and I wasn't going to stop. I squeezed tighter and tighter with all my might. I could feel the noises that couldn't come out of his mouth and watched the blood as it did. His movements became softer and softer until there were none left and I dropped him on the floor where he lay motionless. I stood there and looked at him, feeling so calm and relaxed, as if this was the exact place I was meant to be. When I finally snapped out of it, I looked at the result of my actions and panicked. What did I just do? What would my parents say? What would Freddy think? I acted quickly and brought the limp little body out to the rosebush. I dug a hole deep enough to conceal the guinea pig so that no one would find it. Then I washed my hands and never spoke of it to anyone. Years and years passed without incident, until I was at the age of 23. That was when I took my first victim. I was just about to finish my senior year at Michigan State. I liked to drink at a bar near campus, where a lot of the other university students drank. There was a girl I'd often see there. I didn't know her name, but I developed a strange attraction to her. She was a pretty girl, with red hair and little orange freckles on her nose and around her cheeks. I say my attraction was strange because I didn't like her in the traditional sense. I didn't want to talk to her or date her. I didn't even care what she thought about me. I just wanted to be near her, to observe her. I started following her on nights she'd leave the bar. At first it was just a block or two, but eventually I'd follow her all the way home to her apartment building ten minutes away. She was usually with friends when she walked home, or a guy who I could imagine was her boyfriend. But either way, it brought me comfort to look in on her life from the shadows, unnoticed. One night she left the bar alone and walked home in the dark, all by herself. I usually trailed pretty far behind when I followed her, but on this night, I felt the urge to get closer. As we neared her apartment building, I was compelled to walk right up behind her. I wasn't sure what I planned on doing, or what I even wanted to do. But as soon as I got close enough, I grabbed her from behind and ripped her off the empty street and into the alley behind her building. She screamed, and I put my hand over her mouth to cover the noise. She kept screaming and struggling, so I put my hands around her throat 
and squeezed tightly. I felt the air trying to escape her lungs and the screams unable to escape her chest as my hands forced everything back down inside her. She scraped and clawed at my arms and face, but her efforts were of no use. The control I had in that moment lifted my spirit to a place it had never been. Her body spoke to me, begging for mercy, as the muscles in her neck greeted the cusp between life and death which I held so sternly between my palms. The fight to stay alive rendered her weak, and I felt her soul leave her body as I loosened my grip and watched as she collapsed onto the ground. I took a deep breath and learned what true freedom felt like in that moment. I can't properly explain the sensation of being free from every negative emotion in life, but that's what I felt, and it was beautiful. That sensation was quickly interrupted by the realization I had murdered an innocent girl, and panic set in as I ran out of the alley and back home. I graduated shortly after, and decided to get out of the area. So I took a job selling cars and auto parts for Chrysler, as a traveling salesman. Getting out of town and starting a new chapter in life was refreshing. I really enjoyed being out on the road, meeting new people, and seeing new places. I must admit, I was very good at my job from the start. I really had a knack for fitting in and gaining people's trust. I mean, I really sold the hell out of those cars, and my numbers were amazing. By the end of the second year, I already had enough money saved to put down a deposit on a house. I really thought I had turned a new leaf. That is, up until I was on my way back from a sales trip in Connecticut. I was driving through Ohio when a woman flagged me down from the side of the road. Her car broke down and she asked me for a ride to the nearest mechanic. I didn't know the area, but I said she could ride with me until we found one. So she got in the car and we drove off. She was a nice woman, with curly red hair and freckles on her cheeks and forearms. When she put her arm on the center console and I saw them, I got that strange urge again. The urge to get close and feel her life in my hands. I turned off onto a side road and brought us into the fields. We had been talking and getting along so well, she didn't even pay attention to where we were going. When we were far away enough from anyone or anything, I stopped the car and got out. I opened up the back seat and took out a heavy wrench from the toolbox I had back there. It wasn't until I opened up the passenger side door that she realized something was wrong. 
I grabbed her by the hair and ripped her out of the seat as she screamed. I gave her one big whack over the head and watched the blood pour down from her scalp and cover her face. I have to admit, the sight of it gave me a rush. I waited to hit her again. I wanted to see the fear in her eyes, to see the realization set in that this was the end. I didn't need to feel her in my hands to experience the control. Just knowing that I was the master of her fate was powerful enough. I watched as she cried and wept and begged for me to let her go. Before I hit her again, and again, and again. By the end, she lay motionless on the side of the road, a bloody mess which contained no life. I dragged her into the tall grass of the field beside us and drove off to continue my journey back to Michigan. Peace and serenity was the only thing I felt the whole drive back. By the end of the year, I had enough money to put a deposit on our house in Ann Arbor, and I even bought a small cabin in Vermont. I told myself I'd use it on holidays to get out of the city every once in a while, but deep down I think I knew what I really got it for. Over the next four or five years I worked constantly on the road, selling cars and parts all over the Northeast from Detroit to Pittsburgh, all through New England, and even down to Baltimore and D.C. Work was good, and the money was better. During that time, I captured about eight or nine young ladies from the states where I did business, and brought them to the cabin in Vermont. Some were hitchhikers looking to go somewhere. Others I grabbed off the street at night or in empty parking lots when no one was around. At the cabin, I'd lock them up, hurt them, have my way with them, and after a while, kill them and bury them deep in the woods. I started to take time with my victims and really explore what brought me pleasure from them. It was around this time I met your grandmother. She was different than the other girls I had met, although quite a bit younger than I. Strong in her mind and will. She had beautiful, long, dark hair and the most gorgeous olive skin I'd ever seen. I knew from the first time we met that she was someone I wanted to be with for a very long time. Within the first year of being together, she got pregnant, and I asked her to marry me. With a new wife in the house and a child on the way, I knew I had to put foolishness to the side. I stopped traveling as much for work and made sure I was around for the birth of my son, your Uncle Raymond. Those years were some of the happiest in my life. 
being married and starting a family. For the first time, I felt like a normal person. A person like anyone else. <sighs> I should have known better. <sighs>